I think everybody's here. Um, okay, cool. So, um, before we kind of, kind of get into it, we've got a bit of a disclaimer. Um, so, so welcome everybody to another Neutron Space today. Uh, it's been a bit of a hectic week for Neutron. Uh, we've obviously announced the first LIDO deployment in Cosmos, bringing Rapstake ETH. And uh, today, uh, we're joined by Warp Protocol, who also went live on Neutron earlier in the week. Uh, you may also notice that we're joined by a couple of Astroport chads as well. Uh, and we'll get into how Warp dovetails with Astroport in, in a little while. Um, up on the panel, we have, um, I believe, Zion on the Warp Protocol account. Yes, sir. Perfect. And uh, Sandro, my uh, counterpart over at Astroport, is sat on the Astroport account as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, just before we get into it, I need to remind everybody that NTRN is not registered as, as a security in the US and therefore not available to US citizens. Uh, and nothing new here today should be considered financial advice. Uh, and it's for educational and entertainment purposes only. Um, okay, cool. So with that out of the way, uh, as I said, I think we've got Zion on the uh, the Warp Protocol account. Um, Zion, if you wouldn't mind just sort of introducing uh, the, the other members of the Warp Protocol team, please. Sure, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so my name is Zion. I'm the head of communications here at TFL. Uh, we also have Vlad here. Uh, Vlad, if you want to introduce yourself, and then we'll get to Georgie as well. Yeah, so uh, my name is Vlad. Thanks for the intro, Zion. I am the Warp Protocol uh, smart contract developer and um, one of two architects of the system. Um, and I also lead the apps team at TFL, uh, where we build enterprise as well. Cool. Georgie, you want to introduce uh, yourself? Yeah, I am the second architect of the system. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hey, hey, so um, I mean, before we kind of get into, um, we'll meet, we'll meet the Astroport guys in a little bit. Um, as I said, Warp has, has launched on Neutron this week, so um, maybe you could just give us a little bit of a, an overview about what what uh, Warp exactly does, uh, just on a bit of a high level, and why Neutron should be excited about it. Yeah, so I, I can take that. Um, basically, in a nutshell, Warp um, is a decentralized automation engine. Um, for Cosmos chains. And, and what that means is um, we, we had this problem with a lot of our protocols where um, a lot of them needed automations. And the only ways that, um, that we could achieve that um, is through bots or you know, sitting there yourself and, and waiting uh, for the right time to execute. Um, in particular, this um, was for cases like limit orders where you have to wait for a price um, or for things like, you know, protocol management. Um, like back in the day, uh, we were working on a few protocols where we needed some automations to, uh, to manage the systems, to, you know, rebalance uh, portfolios and things like that. And there wasn't really a way to do this in a decentralized manner. So like I said before, you either had to spin up your own bot, which would sit, you know, on AWS or any other server, 
or you'd have to sit there yourself and wait for those conditions to become true. Um, and then when you're kind of satisfied, you would, you would manually execute using um, any kind of wallet. And so the solution we came up with um, was Warp Protocol, which is a smart contract system that sits on these chains and people are able to create jobs um, and jobs have two components. They have the condition, so that's when uh, your, your message has to be executed and it has the message itself. Um, so again, going back to the example of limit orders, your condition would be um, a certain price that you wanna hit and the message would be the actual swap itself. And so uh, by using Warp, you can take regular smart contracts um, that have no automations and kind of augment the functionality um, by adding automations. And then um, you, you submit this job, which contains these two pieces. And when the job is ready to be executed, um, it kind of becomes permissionless. And then uh, you have uh, users that we refer to as keepers that go ahead and execute your job, typically for a profit. So there's also a reward added there to incentivize users to execute these jobs for you. Okay, thanks for that. Just, um, so uh, if I may jump in, just, just one quick question um, to sort of like clarify the Warp's like a unique value proposition. Um, there's another project in Cosmos called Croncat, which was focusing on, on this exact problem as well um, of, you know, providing some automation with like if-then statements um, and keepers or what they called like agents, right? And I, I, I'm wondering, like, is there any fundamental differences between Croncat and Warp or like differences in approaches or vision or what have you um, that you would like to mention? Um, so I actually, I, I don't know if Croncat is out yet or not. Um, I, I did do a bit of research and um, back in the day, um, at, at least when I first saw Croncat, they didn't really have a Cosmosm implementation. Um, and I think what they did um, at the time, and again, I'm not sure right now, they didn't have like generic conditions and, and messages. Um, and so for Warp, that was one of our big, um, our, our, our big requirements is it had to be generic, meaning you can have any message in any condition. And it also had to be designed in a way where, um, uh, where, where smart contracts don't have to make any changes to their code or to their system to be able to use Warp to augment their systems. So for the example of AstroPort, um, and, and we based our design on you know, um, accommodating AstroPort limit orders, is AstroPort to add limit orders to their system should not be required to change any of their design in, in, in their smart contracts. It should be purely um, a UI addition. And at the time when we designed Warp, there was nothing like this, um, at least nothing like this in Cosmos. And so uh, we wanted to bring that to life. Thank you for, for that. That's super useful context. Yeah. And um, so you basically, you made your announcement earlier in the week. Uh, and one of the things that you said was first up limit orders on Astroport. Um, so from like a, an end user perspective, how exactly does that work? Uh, yeah. So we could we could hand this over to Astroport and they and they can explain exactly how they implemented that. Sure. So we have uh, Andre and uh, Danny here from from Astroport today. Hello, guys. Um, anybody uh, want to take that question? Yeah, I, I would I would revert to Danny because um, he was the mastermind behind integrating with Warp. So <laughs> take it away. Uh, yeah. So 
So yeah, so basically on AstroCore, when you place the limit order, it's pretty simple. Um, so like you would make a swap um, for two tokens, when you go to the limit order tab, what we do is you indicate the price at which that swap, you want that swap to execute. And what AstroPort does, it creates the drop to warp. And whatever price that you set for that token swap, once it hits, any keeper can just execute that and that message would be done. So yeah. Okay, so so if I'm going on to Astro, AstroPort today, um, am I able to place limit orders right now? Uh, not on Neutron yet. We're on Neutron Testnet, but on Terran Injective you can. Okay, cool. So just want to kind of clarify that. Um, so so basically, Warp and the functionality that Warp brings is, is now live, uh, and you guys are kind of just working on implementing that for, for Neutron uh, just now with, with Testnet. That's correct. Perfect. But but Warp, Warp and Astroport have this relationship where there is sort of existing fu functionality of Warp live on Astroport on other chains right now. That's right, isn't it? Yep. We're, we're on cool. Terran Interactive okay. and Neutron coming soon, obviously. And when do you expect that people will be able to come on to Astroport and, and start placing limit orders? So for Neutron, they can already play around on Testnet. Um, and then next week, we'll be launching Mainnet. Good to know. Good to know. Um, so I guess this is like um, another one of our sort of DeFi building blocks, Spade. Is that a fair comment? <laughs> yep, definitely. I mean, automation is a big part, actually. Um, okay. So that's probably a, a good segue into, into dealing with exactly how that works. So um, as I said, you, you said first up is, is limited as an Astroport, but I think the quote was the possibilities are, are endless. So what, what other kind of stuff can we, we look forward to seeing? Yeah, so um, this, what, what, yeah, so what I'm about to say next is not like alpha in particular, it's just like ideas and then I can relate them to uh, protocols that exist and kind of talk about what's possible to do with this. Um, so right now I'm, I'm looking at the Neutron ecosystem page on, on Minscan and I see that, um, you know, Apollo DAO is coming and then you, you guys have Lido and Lido obviously does liquid staking, which is a form of auto compounding. Um, so in this case, like instead of having something, um, that's running like externally from a blockchain to like auto compound your staking rewards, you'd be able to do that using warp, for example. Um, and you can come up with a job, say like. Every day I want to auto compound my rewards. And you can do that with Apollo DAO as well. So instead of Apollo DAO having to spin up their own bots that auto compounds the vaults, um, Warp would be able to do that. And then you'd be able to decentralize um, all of your automations here. Um, for examples, um, just like more general things, obviously AMMs can have limit orders, but that's not the only thing you can do. Um, you can also include like, you know, stop losses. Um, you can have automated trading strategies, like for example, DCA, grid bots, uh, rebalancing and auto investments. Um, so yeah, the ideas here are really endless. Um, and, and the main idea here is that if a protocol wants to integrate, um, we designed Warp in a way where it's possible to integrate directly into your UIs, into your existing systems, uh, without even having your users know that Warp exists. So you can kind of like, wrap that all away into a pretty little package on your website, similar to how Astroport did it. Um, and you can have like any automation that you can come up with, as long as all the data is on chain, you can do that using Warp. That's pretty cool. I wonder, um, 
you know, I understand that like things take time to develop and so products become more and more complete over time. So I'm, I'm wondering what's the current state of development of work when it comes to, you know, the more advanced kind of like conditions that, that you could put and com compose together, e.g., you know, let's say, like, I understand that at least for now, the product is mostly developer oriented. If I understand properly, e.g., I have a product, I want to integrate this into um, my UI so that my users have access to access, um, like to additional functionalities. Um, but is there a way for like a, a user to also set up their own conditions, set up a payout function, and then use the automation this way? Yeah, so um, Georgie actually developed a UI version of this. Um, and obviously it still requires like a pretty high level understanding, I think, of, of you know, blockchains and computers. So I don't think it's still like completely in the reach of people that don't know how to code. Um, but if you want like a more UI focused environment where you can build out these, these, um, these conditions, it's definitely possible on the, on the warp UI. And that's found at, uh, at warp.money. And maybe Georgie can explain a little bit, you know, give people a picture of how that works. Actually, like in the early stages of warp's development, we, we created a feature called templates. So like you can create a template that's like your on the left side, you have your own human readable explanation of what that job does and a set of variables that need to be filled by the user for that job to be submitted to warp and have it executed in that form. So like uh, idea was back in the day that like maybe like users or protocols would create templates um, and have uh, no code solution uh, solutions built that way, but like we kind of didn't see any traction uh, with with templates at the moment. I don't think we have a single template created by the community yet. So maybe that's something that if uh, if a need arises, like if people want us to to dive deeper on that topic, we could probably extend it. But for now, like we have a let's say a level one form of templates currently deployed on the Warp's web app, and you can check it out by visiting warp.money. All right, I see. So, at, at least for now, it's still mostly a tool for for developers to bring automation to their pro products. Because I, I was wondering if you could build something like, I mean, I assume if if you're not just doing it for your position, you could build something like what uh, Nexus was on Terra, whereby you had you know a vault that basically ensures that you never get um, liquidated on your um, anchor loan, right? Um, here in you know the new post Terra crash um, DeFi ecosystem, I, I was thinking maybe you could set up your own jobs to ensure that, you know, if um, price of X asset that you've borrowed against goes below a certain threshold, then you're swapping another of your position to which you were trying to get exposure to back into the asset to repay your loan or that kind of stuff. Uh, but, but I assume that might be a bit too much then. No, it's not too much. That's actually doable in Warp. Like Warp is literally like a programming language. Like you can think about it as like you take your like script, uh, transform it in a way that Warp knows how to read your script and deploy it to chain, essentially. So like Vlad didn't mention this, but we, apart from like conditions and the transaction messages that will be executed upon uh, a, a successful resolution of that condition, we also contain variables in the job. And var variables can be like any data structure. Like it can be a JSON that can represent a base64 encoded message that has variables embedded inside of it. So like you can transform those variables as your job transitions through time after each execution. Like that's essentially how you would build, uh, let, let's say a stateful uh, job 
that that's like uh, a grid bot um, on Warp by essentially like changing the strategy after every execution to like buy or sell an amount that's also computed by the variables. So like I don't see an issue with implementing an auto compounding vault that has some like um, liquidation thresholds and actions implemented in it. That's super cool, actually. All right, that's impressive. Um, now, in your like, well, I guess taking things more by by the menu. Um, so, the assumption um, that users of, of of Warp rely on when they use um, when they use the protocol for automation is that the payout will be sufficient to basically motivate um, someone to take that transaction and execute it. Right. I assume that this is a lot more realistic than um, you know, on fixed gas blockchains like you know Neutron, Terra, and, and other um, Cosmos blockchains, then on say Ethereum, where the fees are a lot more volatile. But do you see any sort of like limitations or um, scenarios in which this assumption can break down? Um, yeah. So right now, the way we've been working is with kind of static fees, where you guess what the fee is going to be uh, manually based on you know previous fees, and and we've seen that. Um, one of the issues that we encountered was um, sometimes like in the event of Ash report, if there's a more complex route um, that, that the asset takes to transition between, to, to swap between one asset and the other, uh, the more complex the route, the more the fee is going to be. Um, and so sometimes, you know, that static fee that we put in place was actually um, not enough to cover the job. And so we would, we would run a keeper at, the, at, a, at a loss. Um, but what we're developing now is this thing called uh, a fee estimator, which will be able to more or less accurately estimate how much that job is going to take, both for the condition resolution and for the messages to execute. Um, and so that way, we're going to be able to see, um, you know, as you're creating your job, you know, how much is that going to cost to guarantee that that's going to be executed. Um, and then on the on the keeper side. The keepers are going to be able to know, okay, is this job profitable or not? Um, and you know, running a keeper is so simple that, like, I believe that you know people are going to be executing these jobs um, if if there's any sort of profit. It literally, I I have one running on my Raspberry Pi. Like, it, that's how lightweight it is and and how simple it is to run. That, that's really cool. Um, well, one question in this regard is: I understand it's super light, but just on the sort of like the progress of warps. Um, keeper networks decentralization like how how many keepers today are are being operated and how much of that is like operated by by you guys because i assume just to help with the baseline um, functionality of the protocol you also do run some of these right um, i mean as you said yeah so i run um I, I i run a keeper like just on my own um but i only run one per network and um you know we have gone you know offline a few times but that hasn't been an issue because we've noticed that if i've gone offline there's been other keepers that um that that execute those jobs and even even when i have mine running there's been keepers that like kind of beat me um beat me to the task and and you know they're they're able to execute those jobs i don't know exactly how many there are i think i've seen um at least on the terra side i've seen at least three other apart from me that have executed jobs. And there's been a few people that have messaged me, like if we've updated um, the warp contracts and their keepers stop working, I've gotten messages as well. Um, not sure exactly how many though. I think that would be something interesting to kind of go back and see, you know, how many different people have executed jobs. 
That makes sense. Do you see uh do you see any world in which the competition for executing jobs and earning the payouts becomes so intense that people start using MEV solutions like Mev like Mev Tendermint or like POB to like like submit their <laughs> their execution requests before other bots? Oh, definitely. I think that um I, I, I think that, you know, as people see that they can make a consistent profit and when the fee estimator comes out and people know that they can make a profit, it's going to be a no-brainer, I think, to spin up your own keeper, uh, just given how simple it is. And it's just literally free money. Like if you have a Raspberry Pi lying around, you can throw it on that and never really worry about it. Um, and so I think, you know, as time goes on and as, you know, the number of profitable jobs increases, there's going to be people fighting over them because... Um, you're able to batch job execution. So imagine there's like 10 limit orders that need to be executed. You can execute all 10 of those at the same time. And so, you know, the more jobs there are to execute, the more profit you're going to be able to achieve. Um, and then naturally, the more profit you're able to achieve, the the higher the competition is going to be. And I think like end game, um, there's probably going to be keepers running on the same, you know, network as a validator. Um, just to be able to be the first one to kind of extract that value and 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 get those rewards. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Collocation and such. Yeah, um, just just you know, for our our rough rough understanding, like you know, this is bear market. So I assume that the number of jobs and transactions that that need getting executed regularly is is a lot lower than we would see. You know, um, in 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 the froth of the of the bull market but like just as a measure what what kind of like revenue does somebody who execute like a reasonable number of these jobs can can be looking at um it, it all depends on like how tight the margins are between um between the actual execution itself and the reward that that person put up for the job um it, it could be you know just just gauging from like arbitrage that I've seen people do, it can be anywhere between like a few cents and a few dollars. Um, and obviously, it, it, it also depends on how, um, how high that reward is. So like, imagine there's a protocol that has like a high priority and needs that job executed um, before like all others, for example, they could put up a higher reward and then that would be shown like higher up in the tables so that, you know, keepers could take that up. Um, and so in those cases, I would say it would be pretty, pretty profitable. Like you, 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 as a job creator, if you need that executed and you have a super high priority job, you can make sure that that's more profitable than others. And it's impossible to know how high that's going to get, but I expect like, as there's more jobs, there's going to be more people putting up higher rewards. Um, and then we'll kind of see a stability. So I know I didn't answer your question exactly on how profitable it could be. Um, but you know, I, I would. This is kind of just something that we have to see the the keeper and the job creator market um, converge on over time. Yeah, for sure. And I, I assume as well that like, you know, um, based on even your location in the world and how far you're from like various nodes that you're using to post your transactions, you could be looking at like vastly different amounts of rewards, even assuming that there's like a very, you know, active market out there to, to post these jobs. Um, I guess... I guess another kind of like question that's like related to this topic of automation and and you know reliability is basically 
you know, you were talking about like the, the fact that if you have something that you absolutely need executed, you're probably going to be posting a, a much higher reward. Um, on, on Neutron, we have built a um, dedicated module for this sorts of, of use cases. For for example, you know, um, updating um, Oracle prices on on the chain, right, or performing liquidations and such, right. So protocols who have these sort of like vital functions that they need auto like automated basically can make a proposal to the neutron DAO to essentially get access to the beginner and blockers of the blockchain so that they can you know run their message at, at every block we've never seen this actually be proposed in practice so far um, but you know that that may change um, in the future and basically that provides you with you know sort of like the ultimate um, and like regular regularity and guarantees um, so my questions is like two things um, first, um, do you see something like this eventually getting adopted on other um, small contract platforms? And two, um, how, like, obviously, you know, that probably wouldn't, like, not everything can fit into the the unblockers, right? So how would you see sort of like warp relate to that kind of functionality? And, and how would you see like protocols kind of like opting for one versus the other? Yeah, that's that's a good question. And I've always been fascinated by the beginning unblocker. Um, I remember like the the talk that they did when they introduced this um and i i've always thought about this too right like like before designing warp for our own systems and for our own needs i've considered using um the begin and end blockers but um like you said um number one you you do need a governance proposal to get on this because obviously there's not an unlimited amount of space that you have in those. The more computations you do in those, since they run every block, uh, the slower your blockchain gets, right? Like over time, if you have like thousands of, of different checks that you need to do, your block time is just going to get longer. And for a lot of chains nowadays, we we see that they're prioritizing a low block time. And so that's why we designed Warp the way we did and, and not directly like as a module inside of, um, in, inside of the validator space. And so... Um, like I, I, I think there's, there's two different use cases, right? I think warp is more for volume for specific, um, for specific executions like limit orders that you can't exactly place, um, into, into the begin and end blockers because they're all different, um, like different conditions and they all have, um, you know, like, like, like different parameters and there's a lot of them. And so I think that's where warp fits in. Whereas like if you need to do like maintenance, right? Like every single block, it would make sense to add that into the begin and end blockers. And I think that they can work in conjunction and there's also, you know, different types of things that 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 are suited to both systems. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So you, you mentioned you were, you know, considering looking into using the um the the, the beginning and, and the beginning and end blockers and I I assume that that means that you have some level, like low level access to a given blockchain. So uh, is that like your own personal pet project or is that like, are you at TFL in a place where you guys are also participating to the development of the, the core Terra blockchain? Yeah, yeah. So at TFL, um, we, we also like write the code for TFL, like whatever we, uh, for, for Terra, I mean, like whatever is needed, we would, we, we have a core team that works on the blockchains and, and they have a very good understanding of that. And so we, we do have access to kind of like uh, play around with ideas that we then want to um, like submit a governance proposal for and if they're good enough. But 
Um, yeah, my, my biggest issue with the beginning end blockers was the governance proposal piece. And I wanted something that like I could use like completely permissionlessly. Yeah, I think that makes sense. We did some, uh, some research into looking if, you know, a, a permissionless model could be created whereby, you know, you would use crypto economics or, or such to basically regulate access and registration in these beginning and end blockers. But, you know, at, at, fir at first glance, it, it looks tremendously risky, essentially. So, yeah, I, 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 I completely get your point. Um, yeah. So am I right that like keepers run um, locally on, on each network, essentially? So like your, your Terra keeper doesn't use like ICAs to, to trigger transactions on Neutron and vice versa, right? You're, you're submitting directly to, to whatever network the job is in, right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And, and that's how you provide the fastest executions. Um, of course, you can have like, uh, like multiple keepers running on the same system. So like on the same machine that I have running my Terra keeper, I'm also running the Neutron and Injective keepers. But um, they are like, different wallets interacting with the chain directly i see makes sense what do you see is the so like all right a bit of context for this question but you know we're seeing now kind of like the revival of cross-chain applications in cosmos the, you know there's a variety of model mars is going the sort of like you know fat outpost Oh, sorry, fat outpost kind of model whereby you know most of the business logic is on the outpost, and then they have a hub that coordinates it. Other projects are doing the contrary, and then other projects are just doing sort of like the multi-chain route where they just deploy it to various networks. From this conversation so far, it seems like you guys are deploying warp onto um, well at, at least two networks. Um, I, I assume four, since you're also on Injective and well, We're yeah. on the injective Terra Neutron, and then and then planning on going to more. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you're you're also multi-chain. What what do you what do you see as kind of like the the multi-chain or cross-chain vision for for Warp? Do you see any sort of like network effects, any dimension, any benefits into integrating um, that that kind of stuff? Yeah. So this is actually really interesting because um, one of the like 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 being a, a an app that started on Terra. Um, one of our main goals with Warp was like, how do we still benefit Terra while going cross-chain? Um, and so one of the things that we've been designing is kind of a multi-warp instance, um, like, like collection of jobs that does one thing. And so what that means is we have this requirement for Warp is that we want to take all of the uh, rewards that the system itself gets, and, and every job has you know, a percentage of rewards that goes to the system. We then take these rewards um, we swap them um, to whatever asset can be, you know, sent on to Terra. On Terra, we swap that to Luna, and then um, and then we burn that by sending it to the burn module on the chain. And so, in practice, how this works is, um, I'm going to give you an example of um, of how we would do this on Neutron. So we'd collect Neutron as rewards, so people would pay um, and transact um, in in the warp job economy in Neutron. We take that and then swap it to Atom because there's Atom liquidity on both Terra and Neutron. Um, we take that Atom, um, route it back to Terra, and then once it's on Terra, the the Terra Warp instance would take this, swap that to Luna, um, and then burn it. And so we have three jobs there, uh, kind of working in conjunction to do one task, which is convert fees, and then um, and then once they're in Luna, you burn them. 
Oh, I see. So you're not actually passing messages around. You're just using jobs to recreate the circuit using like simple actions, like just swap this token and then bridge it via IBC and then, you know, trigger the, uh, the handling contract on the Terra side as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's interesting. That's interesting. So basically what you're saying is that like applications like Warp, using Warp across or automation across multiple networks can basically find other ways that are not, you know, triggering each other in sequence, um, like an ICA, for example, would allow you to do um, to still have a similar functionality. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and you can use functions like ICA and IBC hooks. Um, and it's really up to the design of the user. Like if if you want to just use warp and use warps automations for that by combining, you know, a chain of jobs together, you could do that. Um, if you want to replace one of the jobs with IBC hooks, for example, because like as you send something through IBC hooks, it's able to do something like swap. You could do that as well and, and kind of replace one of the jobs with with the IBC hooks instead. And so it's really it really goes to show, you know, the flexibility um, and and the modularity of, of of warp and how it can combine with with these systems. I see. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, to there, I guess there's one um, one kind of like key question at the end of the day. Like, so what I like about this is that it, it's kind of like interesting that one of the emergent properties of the system is that you can basically recreate crush infrastructure by using automation. That, that's super cool. Now, at the same time, I also imagine that there's some limits to how scalable this is because, you know, deploying a protocol to one chain is fine, two chains is manageable, uh, but eventually, you know, there's 60 plus, I mean, I, I don't actually know like how many chains there are on IBC currently, like currently there, you know, changes all the time. So um, what do you see as kind of like the, you know the the upper bound of um, Warp's ability to you know expand cross chain in a way that's like somewhat manageable, taking into account not only just the overhead of like deploying, but then maintaining the code, taking into account like the various differences in the implementations of various blockchains and such. Yeah, that is that is something that's being definitely considered. Um, so for the code. Um, ideally, we would have the same um, the same version of Warp across across all chains, um, and so that's not a problem because Warp is so generic, right? You're able to use like custom WASM messages, um, and so if if a chain has something custom, you don't need to really change Warp for that to for that to work. And so I think the 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 major difficulty here would be, um, you know, the more blockchains you have, the more code you have to maintain. Uh, that can be solved using a script, but also the more blockchains you have, the more you know keeper instances you need, since you know each keeper um, kind of I guess belongs to a network, right? Um, I think we're going to see like as we scale up, we're going to see preferences between keepers, uh, where keepers decide to run on some blockchains but not others, and then vice versa for other keepers, where you you kind of have you know. Um, keepers deciding what chains they 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 want to be keepers on and what chains they don't. Um, and as jobs scale up, uh, we're going to have to figure out a way to kind of make sure that all of these jobs still get run. Um, and I think we still have a little bit of time before that happens, since we're only on three chains. And and in the grand scheme of things, there's not an extraordinary number of jobs. Um, but as that time comes, it's definitely something we want to we want to look at solving. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. One thing that's like going through my brain right now is that like 
you, you, you know, you made a very good point before um, on, you know, the fact that the keepers are local, e.g. Inter interfacing directly with, you know, each network where the jobs are, are deployed makes them a lot faster to react, right? Um, it's just a matter of they detected it, they submit the transaction, it's included in the same block. That's basically as fast as you can get. Um, but I, I, we also like from the, our conversation about like beginning blockers and then automation in general, we also kind of like arrive to the conclusion that there are jobs that are more or less critical and more or less latency sensitive than others. Um, do you see any way that basically integrating warp with um, crushing functionalities like interesting accounts could basically allow you to scale the protocol um, for non-latency sensitive tasks um, or you know to provide that service with more latency, but potentially a cheaper price, basically? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that that would be easy um, to implement. Like, like for tasks like auto compounding, for example, it doesn't really matter if it's a few seconds after 24 hours a day, right? Like at the end of the day, if it's, if it's a regular interval, it's fine. For jobs like that, I think, yeah, of course you can have, um, you know, one, one keeper interfacing one blockchain that goes and use, uses ICA to interact with the other chains. Um, but you're still going to need to read from all of these chains. And I think that's where we're going to see um, like, like an interesting scaling problem as well, where it's like, how do you efficiently read from like 60 chains at a time to see what jobs are available everywhere? Um, like even if you're interfacing the right on a single chain and then, and then that's using ICA, um, you still have to kind of get the jobs over um, and, and see which ones to execute. But it's kind of the same scaling problem as if you had like 60,000 jobs on a single chain, right? It's like, how do you make sure that all of these get read? Um, and, and that's definitely something interesting that, that we're thinking of. And, you know, if, if anybody in the community has ideas of, you know, how to scale and how to scale properly and what you think is the proper way to do that, that's something we're interested in, um, in taking a look at. So I, I guess I have one question in this regard. Like, does, the, does the data for the keeper to know whether or not it, it should trigger the action need to be on the chain where the keeper is, like that the chain is interfacing with? Or can it you know, be accessed via like RPCs? Yeah, so it's the, the way the condition resolver works is like in the keeper code itself, um, we've we've kind of rebuilt it, so you don't have to it's query it. Checked yeah. off chain, but basically the data can come from an RPC, like off chain and whatever. But then it's checked in the contract to ensure that it's only triggered if the condition is met, right? Yeah, exactly. So you can do like the check yourself, and then when you execute, the contract does the check again to make sure that as you're executing, it's it's the right time to do so. Okay, so I, I guess I'll just pitch you live then. Uh, it just so happens that Neutron has both ICA functionality for smart contracts and interchain queries. So you could basically make an implementation that says, hey, if a job is created on a blockchain, which we don't currently support with the full local deployment, it just creates an interchain query for that condition, reads the state that corresponds to what you're checking, like fetches, like the relayers fetch that back to Neutron at the interval of block that you selected, and then allow you to trigger the condition if needed, um, and then you can send the instructions via. Yeah, so you, you're kind of talking about like a caching layer here, right? Like on Neutron, using ICA and ICQ to kind of store jobs on Neutron, right? And then from Neutron, you're able to execute um, using ICA. Is that correct? Yeah, so you would have a bit of a, a hybrid implementation of WARP, whereby all of the chains where you want to have a full deploy, then you, you do that. And then you just have the, you know, the, the way that WARP currently functions. But to be able to scale 
warp to other chains without you know getting into that that code hell of maintaining 15 implementations for low priority jobs you could support them via just like registering interesting accounts and interesting queries for them yeah i i, I think that that's a great idea and that's something we could definitely look at um yeah super interested all right well that's cool uh, bullish on this actually uh, you, like I, I don't know if you if you actually want to build this, I think you should reach out the ground style. Um, there, there's currently two proposals. Uh, well, at least at least uh, Brian's grants proposal is up on governance right now. Um, the other one is expected to be live soon. So you know we should have a grants a grants program or maybe two on chain uh, pretty soon. So if you guys want to want to you know help Neutron become an interesting cross chain coordinator and also uh, get funded for it, then that, that could be super cool. Yeah, I'll take a look at that. And I, I think what the great thing is too with Warp is that since it's permissionless, like we can have multiple scaling solutions at the same time where people can decide, you know, what works better for them. If someone wants to run, you know, 10 different keepers, they could do that. But if they also want to just, you know, sit and do like a, a lower intensity, um, kind of lower priority job curation, like you're mentioning here, they could also do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, now let's say I'm a dev building an application on any of the networks that Warp currently or supports in the future. Um, where should I go for learning how Warp uh, functions and how to potentially integrate it into my application? Yeah, so um, we have docs at uh, docs.warp.money. And then Georgie actually built an SDK that allows you to you know, quickly and easily deploy jobs. And, and Georgie, if you want to talk about a little bit about how you design that and why. Yeah, so the SDK allows you to interact with Warp's APIs via like a single line function call. Um, and it's fully type-safe, so it's written in TypeScript. And um, like each of the single, fine, uh, single line function invocations is fully type-safe for your use case. So like you're, uh, you're not gonna have issues um, composing the input itself. And I've also developed uh, a composer spec which is essentially like a bundle of utilities that would allow you to uh, like um, that will that would speed up the process of composing more complex uh, use cases by building like complex uh, create job message structures because like essentially what create job uh, message includes is like your entire program right so it includes the entire condition definition which is like a big json file uh, it includes all, all the transactions that need to be executed on that success, successful resolution and also the variables. And the entire logic can become quite cumbersome. Like, for example, like Astroport's, Astroport's limit orders, I think they have like around 200 lines of JSON code. So essentially, our, our Composer API provides like a fluent way for you to create those payloads. All right. And if at any point I get confused with the process and I need support from anyone who knows like how to use this, I assume I can go to your Discord or something? Yeah, Discord or Telegram. All right. I think we're about 13 minutes away from the at least scheduled end of this space. So I'll, well, actually, sorry, do you want to do this? That's usually your bit. Yeah, it's all right. You just got a little bit carried away there. That's quite <laughs> Quite a fascinating uh, insight into how you do BD live on Spaces. Um, <laughs> but yeah, fascinating chat. Uh, I saw your, uh, your comment down below about the masterminds, and uh, you weren't kidding. It's kind of hard to keep up. Um, but yeah, we have actually had a few questions kind of requested from the audience. So um, 
sorry for re- rejecting those. What we tend to do is just sort of bring you up at the end. Um, if uh, if you'd like to do that in, in a couple of minutes, then uh, then please just raise your hand and we'll we'll bring you up. Um, for now, I just want to have a, a quick word with the the Astroport guys, if that's okay. Um, like I say, we kind of got into really got into the weeds of things there. Um, but just want to sort of remind people that from next week, basically, uh, we're going to be having limit limit orders on Neutron live on Astroport. Um, and uh, maybe the Astroport guys could just just give us a little uh, description of exactly what limit orders are and how they're going to basically improve the the Astroport experience from from next week. Yeah, so basically for limit orders is when you go to Astroport, if you want to make a swap, but there's a price for the asset that you want to swap at that isn't the current market price, you want to set a different price, then you execute a limit order. And when that price is met, basically your swap executes. Um, And yeah, next week we will be live on Neutron. Good stuff. Um, I've just uh, requested, we did did have a question from Chris earlier on, so I've, uh, I've invited you up, mate. Um, if anybody else wants to come up, please uh, please request and we'll, we'll bring you up. In, in the meantime, just want to flag something else as well. Like Astroport is, you know, going to have a lot more than just uh, than 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 limit orders. Although limit orders are super cool and useful, um, you know, I've put in the nest this article that was co-drafted by um, Neutron contributors, Astroport, and Duality contributors as well about how the integration between the two, assuming that the proposed merger um, does happen. Could you know basically, um, let's say, boost Astroport as a liquidity layer in Neutron and the interchain, um, guys? If you've you know get like uh, given any thoughts to to that particular integration and want to talk about it, like feel feel very welcome to do so. Yeah, I, I also can. Can you guys hear me? Yep. 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 Okay. Yeah. Because I, I didn't see the, the the thing there. Okay. Yeah. I also wanted to add as well, which is we've been talking about limit orders, but uh, the the warp guys already mentioned is like it really opens up for a lot of possibilities. And I'm more or less new to this space in terms of really putting my engineering mindset to it. Uh, like two years ago that I started, and one thing coming from like let's say traditional applications that I always felt like decentralized apps, right? So um, needed or were still missing was like cron jobs, right? And cron jobs, is, it's a very like common thing that exists on many like web two applications. And that was completely a primitively uh, like missed uh, on every blockchain that I was uh, working on. Um, I've always been keen on pushing this and, and talking about it. Because if you really want a truly decentralized application where if there's no human interaction, the thing runs forever, um, or at least ideally forever, you really need that. It's one of the key things that you need. And many examples can be found on Astroport. For example, uh, whenever fees are captured, when you make a swap, you need some automated bot to basically capture those to the maker, which is basically the contract that holds the fees to the Astroport holders. And that isn't something that is done automatically. Well, I mean, sorry, the capture is automatically, but the thing is we need to basically convert it to Astro to buy back, right? And that really, like we could do that, but then the swapper would pay high high fees, right, uh, for doing it. So there are lots of things that need to be 
automated uh, that require some sort of off-chain uh, infrastructure, namely bots, right? Even the governance proposals, if they pass, you have to execute them. There isn't really an incentive for people to, like, ideally we want people to run them and execute them, but the reality is uh, people want, right? Uh, so for things like these, you really need like cron job style, um, like infrastructure, right? And that's what warp enables. Um, so limit orders is just one of the things. It's it's a it's an obvious uh, thing to go for because it's a feature that adds value to users. But all of these are on the background. It, they are and hidden. People don't see it, but it's one more step to making a truly decentralized application. So th that's uh, another aspect that I think it's very very important um, to build and and try to. Uh, work on. Unfortunately, we haven't yet tackled it immediately because, as I said, it's not something that the user sees. So generally, it doesn't really provide value, so to speak. It only augments the decentralization. Um, but yeah, that's uh, another thing that I wanted to add. That actually, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like just like you know, backend management basically on chain is is something that gets overlooked a lot. Um, you know, another example of what that could be applied to is, um, you know, an, an, um, an upcoming feature of the, well, it, it's already live at the smart contract layer, but of the UI of the governance system of Neutron is like sub-DAOs, right? So any, you know, via a governance proposal, you can spin up new sub-DAOs and then these sub-DAOs can be managed by people or code um, and they can execute proposals, they're a time lock component and, and what have you. But in, you know, assuming, let's say you, you spin up a, committee style kind of like sub DAO where you have like a bunch of people kind of like performing actions and whatever the life cycle of the proposal becomes a little bit involved right because first you need to vote on a proposal once it gets accepted you then need to either execute it for main DAO proposals or for sub DAO proposals because they have to go into time lock before you know before the proposal can be executed you first need to queue it into the time lock wait for the time lock to expire and then execute it um, and so these actions just as andre said is um, they're not incentivized at all. And they basically just rely on the altruism or the determination of you know, someone in the network to see things happen, to basically just you know, pay the transaction fee for that, for that, trigger the contract, because the contract itself, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a dead machine. It's not going to take any initiatives. So it, it relies on somebody coming in and, and triggering this. And so like, you know, automation like warp could basically help with these, um, with these as well. So. That's an interesting, another interesting use case. Yeah, exactly. Because you can have you can have the protocol fees, right? Uh, uh, basically, uh, top up the balance for uh, the warp jobs to still get executed, right? So you could essentially, hopefully, like have a, a like a auto sufficient protocol completely. Yeah. I about this, I've actually seen some curious ways of, of how devs have incentivized the participation in, in like cron jobs like this. Um, so back in the bull market on Terra, I, I forget what this NFT project was called, but there was some kind of spaceship NFT uh, where you could have like upgrades. Um, but they like, like every 24 hours, they needed to do like some system maintenance. And the way they incentivized people to do that was by like, clicking that that thing every 24 hours you'd be able to get like 
an upgrade to your spaceship and and your spaceship nft would be a little bit better um <laughs> just thought that was a little funny <laughs> i think prism was doing something like this as well right whereby your amps um you would have to so like refresh or something every like fairly frequently and you would have these glitters and stuff but really it was just because um kind of like calculating the compounding nature of the amps for like every user in one transaction wasn't possible because it was it would have taken like way too much gas and so instead they just broke it up by user and had people just like come in every day and click on it um it's kind of like funny because like this maintenance thing just like turned out like it it kind of ended up into something that was like fairly addictive actually like people would just come to the protocol every fucking day and use it so in in a way actually sometimes it can actually be a feature not a bug but but in general yeah i, I completely agree just being able to automate this and just make the chain more reliable and more like unstoppable i guess um is is a is a very cool thing to be working on appreciate it Spade. so uh we put a, a shout out for for quick community questions a little while ago um i think you guys have actually scared everybody off it's like uh there's too many big brains up here and um, <laughs> the, the, either that or you've answered all the questions already uh so is there anything else that, that we've missed that um that you'd like to talk about today so I had I had an interesting thought while you guys were talking about begin and end block um, subscriptions. So there is a project called Anoma, which is essentially trying to solve the problem of blockchains by um, decomposing transactions into into like intents essentially. And what an intent is is like a, how a user would describe something to be executed on chain. Okay. And then you have off-chain actors, which are essentially searchers or keepers that like try to navigate their way through the chain via like multiple transactions and like execute your intent that you want to be executed. Like intent would be swap asset A to asset B. And then the keeper decides how to do that. Uh, Warp is very similar to uh, what Anoma is trying to build. Like Warp is intent-centric. You can take, uh, you can look at each job that's created on top of Warp as an intent. And why this is interesting is because uh, what Anoma is trying to solve is atomic cross-chain transactions. And I believe uh, with the use of IBC and the Warp protocol as like a quote-unquote L2 layer on top of IBC, you could create an atomic cross-chain transa uh, uh, cross transaction workflow where like each trans transaction, like the, the state of execution of that transaction is captured between the warp jobs in their memory. And then if a rollback is needed, you would just spawn a warp job that would like roll back your transaction if something goes wrong. So I think that's really, really interesting. Wouldn't, wouldn't you run into issues with like synchronizing the blocks on, on the various sides and or just like maintaining the rest of the state untouched while you process this? So you need to like you need to engineer around that, right? Like you have IBC with like ICQ and ICA, right? And the thing is, like if if an issue occurs, you would need to have logic in your jobs that would verify that an issue occurred, right? So that it would need to trigger the rollback flow. But a rollback flow could be implemented in like a, a mesh of jobs. And and then you can you could add warp as a sidecar to the validating software of the various nodes to make sure that it gets you know implemented into the the chain like included into the the, the block every time maybe like warp is essentially like an l2 like warp is 
it's like uh, smart contracts are deployed to each chain. That's fine. But like the keeper network is an L2, right? Like it doesn't operate in on, on in the same dimension as the validators are. Well, I guess that's a that's a pretty good mind blowing note to end the space on. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, if you say so, boss. Um, we will uh, start I mean, to wrap up the space. Like, it seems like Andre had a had a bit of a comment. I uh, saw so you unmute for a second. Sure. No. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna join in on the intents, like because um, I've seen like the the DeFi space going towards it um, a lot. Uh, I think it's super interesting. And to be honest, Warp isn't that much different. You really are asking for an intent and you specify the condition and then someone executes it for you, right? So uh, it is a similar model. The The, the biggest uh, difference that I see with, um, for example, Anoma and uh, even with Uniswap X is that the intent is more like, I want to swap x token for y token and i don't care how right and so it, at that point it's like i put the intent out there i sign it and then anyone can take that and fulfill that basically um and that actually simplifies and maybe even improves a lot of the routing issues uh and and i can we can chime more or less on this because on our support we we do try to give you like the best amount out possible when you make a swap. Uh, and that's not uh, like a simple job uh, because you literally have to do some good computation on your router. Uh, and and generally you only do it through your own pools. With intents, you can actually even through Astroport, for example, maybe we could fulfill it through a centralized exchange, right? Because it, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It just matters that what's going to be fulfilled that intent. So I think that's interesting, super powerful. Um, I do see like some, it, it, it kind of connects the defiance and, and uh, even the, the centralized or the real world in some way. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's super cool. Yeah. Uh, although I, I, I do see issues with like the race to fulfill the, the intention um, and the fact that like there are latency um, conditions involved with you know moving liquidity around and such, and I, I, I guess actually that that is also the difference between Warp and like the the the, the intent centric vision, whereby um, you know Warp triggers execution of things, but it doesn't you know like Warp itself is not a, like a market maker that will like take tokens from one place and then inject it somewhere else to fulfill that intention as well, right? So I, I think one of the things that we haven't sort of like seen. In, in the industry so far is kind of like how the risk management, like the timing risk and, 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 you know, all operational risk and, and others will play into the intent centric sort of like vision. Yeah. That, that's exactly a discussion that we, I, we just had internally, which is like, it, which is like at that point, I don't know how the legal case, uh, it, like it really is because at that point it's basically brokers, right? Um, if you have intents and then people will fulfill them, then people fulfill them, fulfilling them are brokers. So I think then the argument becomes harder to be made um, legal wise. So that's going to be also interesting. Um, even, and even you could say privacy wise, right? Um, how do you uh, do intents uh, privately? It is possible, um, but, but that's also an interesting challenge. For sure.
interesting that like you guys are working on this like behind the scenes. Okay, I guess that's like semi. <laughs> <laughs> please, I hope Gabby's not uh, listening. <laughs> no lawyers here, sir. Um, we're we're all all going to jail anyway. Okay, right. that, <laughs> that's, that's, that's definitely uh, that's definitely a good place to end the space before anybody says too much. Um, so uh, so yeah, thanks guys for uh, coming along today. Um, really appreciate the discussion. Learned a lot. Uh, the space was recorded for anyone who like me is going to have to listen back three times to understand it all. Um, and uh, yeah. So uh, just one more thing as well. We will have a, the next space will be a subquery next week. We announced their deployment today. Uh, so, so stay tuned for the announcement on that one. Uh, and again, guys, thanks a lot for coming along today. I uh, really, really appreciate it. And um, wish everybody a good weekend. Appreciate you guys a thanks, lot. Thanks. thanks for having us on. Thanks, everyone. See you guys. See you guys. It was a pleasure. Cheers. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless, trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets. Dead ends dragging out the max amount of pain. Red down days, got them acting all bankless. Yo, fam, what? Check these token knocks. They probing this bear, flexing broken knots. I had to lay my soul down. I'm just roasting knots, and then to end a long day, eleven bowls of chronic. Never known the politic, I was born to frolic. It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot. We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top. We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom. Over the impossible loss, it's all moss, and I'm liking the odds. Fond doing the morning, forming mycological. Bonds. Flick the cap, yo, the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lace Stacked in non-toxic just to get a better a place smacking on the hostage like the shit is played for keeps clowns white knight and all these maybellines they call it implausible when model after model keeps on ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats tearing apart your community all these low-hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity got a planet in reach coming standard to each i'm on the back 10 stargazing after the siege commanding all the management to grab a few seats and then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east y'all better sign a release when i'm bumping these beats hands up if i got Motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers fuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Spaces.